<laughs> I love four squares. Oh, you said four squares. <laughs> you can't find that shit anywhere, man. I That's know. true. With Fred Minnick, the Fred Minnick effect. Is that what it is? It's like Oprah. Here, let's get one poured and then we'll. Uh... Actually, I did have a I did have a friend tell me he's like, you know, nobody was drinking rum until you asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, we've been busy recording all new episodes that will round out all the remaining podcasts for 2017. Thank you to everyone who gave us great suggestions for guests on the show during the Russell's Reserve giveaway. We will also say thank you to everyone on Patreon who is supporting the show, as well as all the great sponsors we've had on recently. And for anybody that wants to know what the remaining calendar of podcasts are gonna be, you have to be a supporter on Patreon. We put it out there so you can see exactly who's gonna be coming on the show and you know, you can actually ask the questions. Give us the questions and the feedback you want us to ask these, these guests. So make sure you support us there. This episode kind of takes a, a new twist because let's be honest, we all like Fred Minnick. He's funny, witty, insightful, and above all else, super knowledgeable and has a big influence on the bourbon community. I remember when he first started talking about rum and I was I was a bit surprised, but there's been a, there's been a shift happening. We talked about it on the last Community Roundtable. I found myself buying a few bottles here and there, and I even put in a special favor to acquire some Foursquare rums here in Louisville. So if you want to know one of the only places where you can get Foursquare here in Louisville, send me a message at the duo, T-H-E-D-U-O, at bourbonpursuit.com. Now, I had to ask myself, you know, with all this going on and a lot of this talk, you know, we see things on the Facebook forums. They say the gradual progression of a bourbon drinker is they say, screw, I'm going to start drinking rum. And it makes you think, well, is rum going to make us all pick up and move? Well, honestly, I find that highly doubtful. The bourbon community is pretty tight. And we have a, I mean, hell, this, this podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for it. So we have to just say, uh, you know, without Fred, I probably would have shrugged my shoulders at it. So thanks, Fred, for opening up this bourbon drinker of almost 15 years to something new. And not only that is we're kind of titling this one Rum Pursuit. So with that, hopefully we don't make a, another spinoff podcast, but it's going to give you an idea of, of, of why rum drinkers or sorry, why bourbon drinkers need to really kind of care about what's happening in the rum world. So it's going to be a different take on it. Remember, if you like the show, support us on Patreon. And thank you to all of you who are supporting at $10 a month. You have no idea what it means, the amount of time that goes into producing these podcasts every week, and that monthly donation really keeps us going. And with that, enjoy this week's episode. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long.
And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to the first episode of the Rum Pursuit podcast <laughs> yeah. right now. it's uh, We're back again with uh, Bourbon Pursuit, but this time we're... We're taking a different angle, you know. I I wouldn't say that we're getting bored with bourbon by any means. There's a there's a lot of information that's out there. There's a lot of um, hoaxes and marketing and all these other kind of things. But every once in a while, we got to diverge a little bit. And I think uh, I think today's going to be kind of interesting. It's kind of fun because we've talked about it. I don't know how long, right? Yeah, I mean, th- th- the first time we interviewed Fred, uh, you know. My rum drinking consisted of Bacardi 151 with flaming Dr. Peppers and, uh, you know, just uh, pina coladas, you know, the typical rum stuff. But he introduced us to some fantastic rums, and he's got an awesome book coming out, Rum Curious. Yes, for anybody that is not known about it, because we actually talked about a little bit on past uh, episode 69 is when we had Fred on last, and we kind of started uh, started pouring it on of, of actually, yeah, a bunch of Beavis and Butt heads around here, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so yeah, it was episode 69, but we kind of, it's when we started really drink, or like diving into a little bit of the rum, right? So this is going to be a cool episode where we get to really dive into it even more and talk about the book a little bit and talk about just rum in general. So. Absolutely. So, uh, so let's go ahead. Let's introduce our guest. So everybody, you know him already. He was a previous guest on episode 69. It was actually one of the highest rated podcasts, highest downloaded podcast too of all time that we've had. Congratulations. Yeah. So uh, welcome back your to the t-shirts show. t-shirts in the, the office. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate your, your party gift. Yeah. So welcome back to the show, Fred. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. So um, let's, I'm going to kind of start this uh, kind of before the book was released. And it was uh, it was an article you had back in February this year. And it was named uh, for rum's sake, an open letter to bourbon drinkers. So yeah. it was you were kind of uh, teeing it up a little bit, right? Kind yeah. of teeing it up to try to say like there is there's going to be something. You know, if you're getting bored with bourbon, I think this is a good alternative for everybody that's you know wanting to dive into something different. I wouldn't say it's necessarily an alternative. I think rum is a complement. Um, you know, there's a lot of similar flavors in what I consider to be 
um, the unadulterated rums, things that don't have additives to it. But what bourbon drinkers have is a fiery passion that um, every spirits category wants. Everybody is pursuing uh, bourbon drinkers right now because you're active on uh, social media and you show up to tastings, you delve into the history. And rum really, it's had that a little bit, but it's kind of been in spurts here and there and it hasn't been that concentrated. And I believe that bourbon drinkers have the power to influence rum for the better. And you have um, uh, bourbon consumers, in my opinion, are the creme de la creme of spirits consumers because they they will go off and taste other things. Like they start on bourbon and they'll, they'll go to scotch or they'll go to rum, they'll go to cognac or armagnac or calvados, uh, but they'll always come back to uh, bourbon. And so it is like, you know, bourbon is created like this, like special kind of activist consumer. You know, there's consumers who literally report uh, people in violation of labels to the federal government. You know, you can walk through a liquor store and find probably six bottles of rum that are in violation of of federal government requirements. And so you have uh, you have a category badly needing someone to kind of defend it. Um, you know, to take it to take it under its wing and. That's happening a little bit in rum, but it's scattered all over the place, and it's largely coming from the trade. Consumers um, have just been kind of like, you know, when it comes to rum, it's always associated with like pirates and TV (laughs) and just generally fun. And and it's a lot of things have just been accepted in rum. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just know that. Uh, when the bourbon drinkers start coming to rum, you know they're going to want to see things adhered to as the regulations and the standards are prescribed by whatever government that may be. And I think that's where, um, when I wrote that blog post, that was kind of my intent was to, you know, let people know that you know there's a lot of fake age statements out there in Rome. There's a lot of undisclosed. Um, things happening to the rum before it gets the bottle. Uh, there's subsidized rum. I mean, if there was a, if there was an American bourbon distillery that had, you know, a multi-billion dollar subsidy on it for a 30-year period, I'm pretty sure I know the reaction of bourbon consumers. Um, yeah, there's subsidized corn and what have you, but there's nothing like that to this depth um, in, in American whiskey. And so I think you have... You have a lot of a uh, lot of reasons for for people to come over here just on a just like a um, you know the the inner workings of the spirits industry reasons, which is something that really gravitates to bourbon consumers. Like I get on social media, and they're they're on there debating whether you know the um, the efficacy of the. 1964 declaration of bourbon being unique product in the United States. You know, I mean, that's what right. that's what we right. talk about in our spare time as as bourbon geeks, and, and I love it. I mean, that passion is uh, it could it could help a lot of other spirits categories, and that's why I kind of brought that up, like I did. So I yeah. kind of want to like, why rum though? Yeah, like, why, bourbon's so hot right now. Why wouldn't you just play off how why come out of the rum book right now when? 
bourbon is so hot and the thirst for information for it's so so great. That's a great question. Um, I wrote I wrote whiskey women. I wrote bourbon curious, and then I wrote uh, bourbon. And um, I was looking at my my next projects, and it was it was going to be, um, you know, it would basically it would have to be a kind of one off narrative of um, of bourbon. So it would have to be a a story of like a a history of a of a distillery or some kind of scandal or something like that. And I am what work- hasn't been done yet. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, something that hasn't been done that would have to break out. And I am working on a second edition of Bourbon Curious. But those those two books kind of covered, um, uh, you know, everything uh, that I could at, from a categorical standpoint. Uh, plus, I'm already writing so much for Whiskey Advocate and Whiskey Magazine that I have to make sure that I'm not tapped out. Yeah, that I'm not you know overriding and stuff. And to be honest with you, a lot of copy paste, copy paste. Yeah, copy. <laughs> I, I can't. I try not. I can't do that actually. Yeah, uh, but but I am. Um, I am someone that I kind of, I'm always having, I have to do like multiple projects at once. And what I have found is, is that, you know, spending as much time in, in rum as I have, um, has only reinvigorated my passion and love for bourbon. And, and it also, uh, from the industry standpoint, it has made me, uh, I've have had a lot of people have come to me and tell me that, you know, they respect that I did that. And at the same time, I've had uh, presidents come to me and say, like, you're not leaving bourbon, are you? And <laughs> and it, that's really you're flattering. Always. Well, <laughs> I, hardly. I mean, I'm definitely not. He's the, he's the only one that calls out their bullshit sometimes, yeah. right? So it's he, he keeps them honest, too. Well, I it, I try to be fair. I try to be I try to be fair, and I try never to be, um, you know, taken in by marketing. Those are two things that I I try to never be mean. So if I call someone out, um, if you will, then it's not it's not to be mean or mean spirited. Uh, it's just merely going with facts, if you will. But but going over to uh, to rum, it's like you know I've studied. Um, we all make our own paths, and there's not a lot of whiskey writers in the world. And um, you know you have people like Dave Broom who who wrote a who wrote a lot of other things, but he mostly stayed in, in Scotch. But a lot of people don't know this, but he wrote a rum book. He wrote a gin book. He Dave Broom even wrote a vodka book. I've got an idea for a vodka book too, by the way. It's Vodka Curious. But no, yeah. can Two, tell, I can tell you really thought deep about the naming of this one, right? <laughs> 250 blank pages. Ah, nice. I get it. Just, I get it. just like the spirit. <laughs> I like it. So, I kid. So let's, talk, let's dive into the book a little bit, right? So um, I know it's available right now on Amazon, so you can go and you can order it. It's uh, it's beautiful, by the best, way. Yes, too. but please go to your local bookstore and see if they have and it. Go to your local bookstore. Carmichael's in Louisville. Um, they carry it. I'm doing a signing with them in June. So there we go. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you would learn in the book, right? I haven't read over the table of contents or anything like that yet, but just kind of talk about like just a high level overview. Like something, let's make people go buy it. Let's give them a thirst of, of what, what's really there. Well, I lay out all the drama. So I lay out all the, all the stuff going on in rum and all the things that it's tied to such as slavery, um, and I talk about a lot of contemporary issues uh, that are going on, such as uh, Ricard. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of rewind. So the slavery thing. I mean, is that 
Is that a now thing, or is that like a a, 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 a just a dirty pass that you just kind of bring up and just as a uh, an yeah, anecdote? Yeah. So basically, the sugarcane trade is connected to uh, the slave trade because it takes so much labor to to harvest sugarcane, and wherever there is sugarcane, there is basically rum, and um, being a byproduct of uh, being made from the byproducts of making sugar, molasses. Um, sugarcane juice, which is just fresh press, fresh pressed sugarcane juice, um, and um, sugarcane syrup. Uh, rum is is intertwined with with slavery, and it's in its roots. It's its history. They actually don't hide from it, you know. So they will they will talk about it candidly on the islands. Uh, it's very interesting talking about slavery in the Caribbean versus here, where it seems like in the United States people try to move on from the subject as fast as they can. You know, it's something I learned in researching it on the whiskey side is like, people don't like talking about it, but it is, it is our history and we should talk about it. But at the same time, um, uh, with the, with the increase of things like the sugar beet for sweeteners, um, and the effort to kind of keep, uh, Caribbean rum from the United States to penalize, you know, um, slavery and as well as keeping money from the crown of, of England, the, uh, the rum empires started going down as, as the, as the world pulled back from slavery. So there is a direct connection to, um, the end of the slave trade and, you know, the, the lack of prosperity within the rum businesses. They would obviously rebound and still do okay. But in the United States, and this is something that I, I'm really proud of it in my book, and this is where, this is what um, piqued my interest in writing a rum book um, in the, around 2011 was when I was researching Whiskey Women. I came across a whole boatload of um, material about Congress debating uh, rum and molasses tariffs, and they wanted to penalize rum to actually help American whiskey distillers. They believe that um, for every bottle of rum drank, that was like one less bottle of whiskey, right? Yeah. That, and the the whiskey was directly impacting farmers, and so they thought that it was better to encourage whiskey in the United States than it was to uh, encourage. Uh, rum imports, and so that's really where um, where this book began for me was finding that little nugget of research. And I've always loved the flavor of rum. I've always loved the taste. I judge it in San at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, so it's a it's a category I've always loved. And I I, I to an, I'm I'm not as much of a fan as on the cocktail side. I kind of my whole idea with rum is to help bring it back as a as a sipping spirit. In the 1800s, I mean, people were sipping Jamaican rum uh, over brandy, and in some cases, whiskey. It is, um, it kind of gets relegated to rum and coke, and mm -hmm. tiki cocktails are, mm -hmm. are revered, and I love tiki cocktails. Captain but, Morgan, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just the and, blanket statement, right? Yeah. And these these rums don't have, um, you know, every country has its own, uh, own regulations and uh in place and they're all very different and there's not really anyone keeping a lot of the rum run the the rum distillers in check so in the united states like our own government which is you know forces rules on these guys the whiskey guys they 
they kind of like don't pay as close of attention on rum. And they've allowed in the last uh, in the last year or two, they've allowed a a sorghum rum um, to be allowed, and they've allowed a sugar beet rum. Based on our regulations, rum must come from sugarcane. Now you you can hear the other side, like the people who argue that those products should be allowed, but oh, just on the base definition of of what is rum in the United States, it should be from a sugarcane you know, byproduct or from sugar cane. And, um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of a long answer to whatever you asked me. Yeah. <laughs> so, really, I mean, what we, did we ask? Yeah. yeah we, I don't we, kinda, know. we took a hard left there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so we had talked to, we're just diving uh, in the book, me about right? Slavery. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll tell you got a rich history and the <laughs> knowledge right there. So, I mean, what else can we find in the book? Right. So we talked about, we got the history, we've got, um, some of the, the legalities or loose legalities that are into it, but what else? I score rums. I tell you how uh, the rums are made, whether or not there are any additives, um, and I rate them. I score. I gave one perfect score, and I gave a score as low as forty. So I, you know, just like I do with um, uh, whiskey advocate, um, I, I assess them. This one here, this is like my base rum. Every every raider has their. He's talking about Admiral, Admiral Admiral Rodney. Rodney Admiral Rodney, about. not Rooney. Not yeah. not Rooney. What we just found out. Not from this Paris is a uh, this is about this is for me. This is a ninety point you know ninety point rum. Now, are a lot of these rums? Can you easily find them, or are these like you got to go to yeah. the islands themselves? Um, yeah, and the, most of them are not easy to find. <laughs> the thing is, if you're in Kentucky, the party source uh, by Cincinnati. They have an incredible rum selection. I bought a bunch of Foursquare stuff there. I got a Duncan Duncan Taylor, seventeen year old from Panama. Uh, so you can find it here in Kentucky. Not anymore. Fred Minnick effect just went in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but you you have to um, you have to be on your retailer, and I mean when you you really have to be on them because no one when you go in there you tell someone you want rum, nobody believes you that you want anything beyond Captain Morgan. And I think I think there's a real lack of education in the trade world, um, you know, about rum and the flavors of rum and, you know, spiced rum is not rum, it's spiced rum. And so when you say you want a good sipping rum and you suggest to me, um, a spiced rum, you know, I'm like, that's, that's not offensive, but that's almost like telling a whiskey drinker, like, oh, you're going to love fireball, you know? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, they, and well, I have a, I have a much more, uh, le- higher l- level of tolerance with the with the flavored rums than I do with the flavored whiskeys. I want sipping rum. You know, I don't want um, I don't want the you know lab produced flavored stuff all the time. Right. So I, I kind of want to talk about some of the ingredients, right? Because we know for the whiskey drinkers and bourbon drinkers, there's always three made ingredients. Fifty one percent corn. Exactly. Are the recipes that exact? Like, yeah, is, that's is, what I want to talk about. Like, because there is, you know, and I I don't want to stick with the. Um, a full gamut of things that are available yeah. that people say like, oh, you can put additives and coloring. But I mean, what are the, what are the main ingredients that go to just making a, a generic rum? I mean, this is a, a rum one hundred and one kind of. So there, this is a difficult question to answer when I'm being held up on time, <laughs> because uh, rum is um, it's mostly coming from molasses. You basically have three tiers of, of molasses, um, and the more molasses is a byproduct of. Uh, of making sugar, so it's the you know the tarry substance that's left behind during the process, and 
when you make um, uh, when you have a really highly industrialized, efficient sugar manufacturer, you have a lesser quality molasses because not as much materials coming through. But if you have like an 1800s era sugar mill, which a lot of those still exist, um, it's not very efficient. And so there's a lot more sweetening that's coming through in the molasses. And uh, and that's that's why the, the Caribbean molasses is so highly sought after, as well as the molasses in, in Louisiana. Um, and Martinique and a lot of other people with the label Agricole, they're using uh, fresh squeezed uh, sugarcane juice. Uh, and then you have a lot of people like an American distiller in uh, Richland, Georgia, who are using sugarcane syrup. They're so, not using Domino sugar. A lot of pe- a lot of people are. Are they? Okay. Really? A, lot, a lot of people will bu- will buy. Um, we try to say that as like a joke, yeah. and then he's like, "Oh no, it's serious." Right? Yeah. Now yeah. some people will buy uh, molasses from from uh, from them because they get that material, um, and that they will sell it. Um, so you have so that's that's one thing, and the the rum distillers are usually coming off the still at much higher proofs and. That's not a good or bad thing. It's just what they're doing. Like uh, American distillers for whiskey are coming off a still at usually no higher than 160 proof, but the average is about 140. The rum guys will be coming off at 189, um, sometimes higher. Uh, I would say on average they're probably about 170 to 180 proof off the still. Some are coming down weight, coming off really low, like uh, uh, Deadhead in Mexico is coming off, but they tell me at 110 proof. So there, there's a lot of, a lot of variance and still proofs in in this. Um, what's the what's the reasoning? I mean, is it just different flavors? Is it just that's just I mean, their style? I mean, more production. Well, and you also have a lot of pot stills, and you have a lot of column stills. And what and what is very popular in um, in rum is to blend uh, the pot and the column distillate um, after it's aged, and they will also top off their barrels. So so like. Here we lose three to five percent a year to, uh, to evaporation. The angels here, and the Caribbean will be anywhere from six to ten percent per barrel. But they'll never let that barrel go all the way down. They'll take a barrel that's right next to it and, uh, and top it off. Some countries forbid that, uh, but Jamaica actually, you know, practices it. So um, you have you have a lot of variance there. Uh, they're going into used barrels as well, which is most American whiskey's going to. New barrels, new charred oak barrels. Bourbon must always go into new charred oak barrels. So you have a lot of you have a lot of different things at play. There's so many variables in rum. I actually think making rum is harder. Uh, making excuse me, making good rum is harder than making whiskey because you're so dependent upon a, a really good base, and it is not easy to to ferment and to distill uh, molasses. A lot of these guys are using uh, natural yeast. Some are propagating yeast. Some are using um, uh, the occasional person using dry yeast. So it's it's a little bit all over the place in that in that realm. I was about to say. I was like, what are the similarities between the whiskey and then the rum at the at the you know the yeast and the the formation? Yeah, part? you're not going to find anyone in American whiskey who I guess there's one guy in New York. Um, I can't. Um, his name's escaping me right now. Real nice guy, former boxer. Beard. His name will come to me in a bit. In a bit, but he does. Uh, he'll do some wild yeast. But it's 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 more of a uh, it's more of a tradition in like Jamaica and those places. And those natural yeast are they've kind of been in that area for so long that uh, um, they've 
they have created their own cultures and I just, they just let them invade. So I'd say. I mean, that's always one thing, at yeah, least yeah. the whiskey distillers are like, mm-hmm. we got our own private yeast strain that we've yeah. had handed down for hundreds of years. Well, and I, I would also say. Uh, safe at home. Just yeah. I would also say American distillers um, or Kentucky specifically are much more beholden to their yeast than like Scotland. Scotland's not as, um, you know, to them yeast is, they don't treat it as bad, you know, as important as, as Kentucky does. That's just different styles, but but so I think a lot of um, a lot of rum is is blending, mm-hmm. and so that's why you'll take well, Foursquare to me is the best rum distiller in the world, and you heard it here, folks. I agree. It's it's, it's phenomenal, and you can taste um, two di- the same same stuff but different levels in the blend. So he'll have like, uh, yeah, I, I'm just making these numbers up, so I don't I. This is nothing that I know he's doing, but like sixty percent pot still, and the rest column, or vice versa, and they'll just be completely different. And they have all these variables, and if you throw in different types of um, oak, you have even more variables. So you have so many opportunities to create different flavors, and uh, it, it's a it's phenomenal. The problem is is that you have a lot of distilleries who are ginormous industrial behemoths. And they're doing multi, uh, multi-distillation runs. I mean, distilling five, six times. And that's the same as vodka. And if you have a rum that tastes like vodka, you have a problem. And so what they do is they put it in a barrel. It still tastes, you know, it just tastes like uh, aged vodka. And so the lad, they'll put sugar in there or honey in there to try and save it. And, uh, and then people are like, oh, wow, that's really sweet. That's what rum is supposed to taste like. And so there's this you know, depiction in a lot of people's palates that rum has to be sweet. And that's because a lot of these distillers are actually trying to save their rum. Now, in defense of people who who um, will add uh, honey or different types of uh, uh, syrups or whatever, uh, it's a tradition for some of them. Like in Panama, allegedly it's a tradition there. In Venezuela, it definitely is. You have... Uh, you have Plantation, which makes excellent rum. Uh, they're executing the classic French system of dosage. In your opinion, I mean, is that is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or they're taking something that should be natural and putting something that giving them an unfair competitive advantage? Like, what are your, what's your just I thought think my, about that? Yeah, well, I think that if you're selling something, you're always going to have a uh, an opinion that your way is the best to sell more things. And... I put everything on the taste, you know, like for me, like if I, I, I sometimes have a mood for something sweet, in which case I will reach for, um, you know, a plantation XO. Sometimes I have, um, a hankering for something that's really dry, but with like a hint of like apple or something like that. And then I'm going, I'm going to pick, um, you know, I'll just say something from Jamaica with that little bit of funk there. So, I, it's all there's a way to do these um, do these dosage techniques without making it like licking a sugar packet. In fact, we could taste a couple. Um, you know, I could illustrate it. Here's a like a rookie don't know question. What's you go to a rum shelf and you see you know white rums and brown rums. What is the difference there? Uh, first of all, the, the the things that you see on a label, like white, gold, um, dark, that's basically an explanation of food coloring. So 
for all these years, people have been buying rum based on food coloring. And some of the white rums will actually have been aged. Um, like um, there's a rum, you know, that I pour a lot called Cartavio. They age it for two, they'll age it for two years. But that one's not very good. The uh, People don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and see, Cartavio, they, the, that one you tasted, I mean, they add things to it. So, okay. So yeah, that, was a, that was one that they did a nice job with the... Yeah, that's like a Solera. Yeah. I think the oldest is like 18, and, but it can have, what, a year old rum too in there? Well, Solera cast in, in rum is one of those where you can't always trust because uh, they may not be doing the traditional... You know, like oldest top-down thing that they're doing, and they're doing in uh, Spain. But the, sometimes they're doing; they're just dumping it in a cask. But Cartavio, they 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 are doing it the old way. At any rate, um, so a lot of people will age age a whiskey or, or rum. Uh, can't confuse us here. <laughs> rum talk. Uh, they will they will will age it a few years, and then they will strip out. They'll filter out the color, like that real McCoy right there, that three-year-old there. Uh, that's three years old, and they've stripped out the coloring. Now, at some point, uh, some you know bean counter in one of these distilleries said, "Well, what if we stripped out the all that beautiful flavor that we had in these uh, from the from the oak barrels and sold it for daiquiris?" And that started, you know, that's what led to that's how people started expecting the rum. And so you had a lot of these like decisions being made between like 1950 and like 1970 to kind of um, bring bring rum down to the level of just like vodka in some ways, but just a little bit above vodka. And um, it, it really lost its way as a sipping spirit. And that's where, and that, and that kind of, like I mentioned, is one of my big goals with what I'm doing. So one of the things that you had talked about with the the barrel stuff kind of had me interested because, you know, we lose three to 5% with the angel share. However, you were saying that in the rum side of the house, they lose significantly more. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in Kentucky, you've got the hot summers, the cold winters. And so I'm assuming that the aging process for rum, since it's all happening in the islands, it's typically hot. So you just have a, just a typical being hot evaporation effect that's actually happening inside the barrels. Yeah. It's extremely hot. Um, in the Caribbean. Yeah. So you're they having rick houses or just like palletized. Um, yeah, they're, they're palletized for the most part. Um, there are a couple the rick housing, like the way they the do. The Buzics don't go down there. What's that? <laughs> the Buzics don't go down there. Yeah. Well, the Buzics aren't going down there to build, um, to build their warehouses, they're really a lot of them are. They're mostly like concrete, so concrete has a has a way of of pushing the barrels harder. Um, and uh, and it, it's stuff I don't even I I don't understand. Like it's and I don't think the distillers do either. A lot of a lot of the aging is a is a lot of uh, is a lot of unknown. Uh, in terms of like the wild turkey release a couple years ago, so the proof went down significantly. So, and that was because it was on uh, on a concrete floor, and uh, you know, it's just the way it is. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon, and that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon the farmers who grow the grain, 
the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Okay, so I got another kind of question for you. So in, in the world of whiskey, you've got some variants. I guess you could say you've got rye whiskey, you've got corn whiskey, you got bourbon whiskey. What about rum? Is it just rum or do you just got basically just different blends of rum? Oh, no. Rum has more variants than whiskey. Um, you have um, Jamaica, which is to me the funk. You know, they get like a real funk note to it. It's like the Dusty's funk here. Um. You know the the I really have a hard time describing what that funk is. The best thing I can say is it's got like a clove, a molasses, uh, a molasses, uh, a rich molasses covered clove. You know, so it's got it's just it's just funky. Have you ever had Jamaican jerk chicken? Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, delicious. You can get it in California Pizza Kitchen too. <laughs> There's actually just a hint of like sometimes a hint of that like Jamaican jerk in there. It's Jamaican rum is is phenomenal. It has like its own its own like flavor. It's uh uh it, it, to me the the best Jamaican distillery is uh, one called Hampton and um it's spelled H A M P D E N but there's someone who sells the majority of their rum to other people. And they they try to no one really know no one has a full uh, collection of who has those rums and all that, but occasionally you'll see like Jamaica pop up and you're like, you taste and you're like, oh, I think this is there. But there's one that I know for sure that came from there. It's a barrel bourbon or bur- barrel bourbons rum. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a, they have one. See a, see a barrel rum. Yeah. So, <laughs> so barrel rum's real nice. It, it did real well uh, in competition that I judge, but uh, um and so Appleton is is very widely available. You know that that'll also have some of that funk. Um, uh, Martinique is also real unique. Uh, it's real earthy, real grassy. Uh, that's the agricole side. So they're using that fresh squeezed sugarcane juice, and they also have a lot of um, a lot of regulations on fermentation styles, off the still stuff, and they're they're very. Um, 
they follow that to a T. And I, I think Barbados is starting to come to its own. Barbados has really been, in terms of what we can get here, has really been Mount Gay. And Mount Gay is a fantastic brand. But with Foursquare coming on the scene uh, and Plantation just buying um, the West Indies distillery down there, I, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more really cool stuff from Barbados and um, um, in the, in America we're we're finding our finding our footing a little bit but you got a brand called privateer real nice um, coming out of the New England area there's a there's that brand in Georgia Richland Richland rum uh, they're going to new charred oak barrels every time so to me they're real appealing to a bourbon drinker uh, and then one in Colorado called Montagna uh, real nice a real nice rum Good deal. That's what yep. we actually had. A, one of our Patreon supporters, Emmett Clocker, actually sent us some samples. He gave us a Lemon Heart, some Havana Club. I think it was like seven or seven, nine years, yeah. something like that. And then a 1931. So those are some other ones that I know that we've tried, which mm-hmm. I thought they were good. But there was there was another one that was really interesting that he that he sent. And I'll kind of get your opinion on this uh, from a company out in I think it's in California called Lost Spirits. Right? Oh, the uh, uh, the aged. Uh Hyper age, whatever, the, like the non-age, six days old age. or whatever it is, yeah. and it's like 160 proof. I don't know how they do it, but I mean, what's your what's your kind of thoughts beyond that? Uh, they are not in the book. I did not uh, did not taste their stuff for the book, but um, in general, the the rapid age stuff has been done before, and um, yeah, I'll just kind of leave it at that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really. I'm kind of you, you could say I'm a purist and. Uh, you know, when I, when I've, when I've tasted, when I've tasted these things, um, I've generally, um, you know, thought the the barrel did a better job. So, what are the master distillers at rum distilleries like? Are that like, are they going to be icons like you know in the bourbon industry? You got Russ, Jimmy Russell, and Parker, the Parker Beams of the world, where they're like a tight knit community and rock stars. Do you think that would ever happen? So, in bourbon, we know the story of when Heaven Hill burned down in 1996. Um, all the major companies um, kind of helped one another. If that were to happen in rum, I truly believe that there would be other distillers pouring gasoline on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> They're like celebrating. A L- little, little it, bit more cutthroat. Well, I, I, I think it, it, it's really... Well, I, mean, it's I, a, it's I use much- that as a joke, but they call each other out in public. And they will... Um, um, and the reason, big reason why is when one, one distillery is getting a $3 billion subsidy and keeping everything out of the market, uh, from a, from a shelving and marketing perspective, you can understand why there's some hostility there and there's questionable rum on the market. And you have people who are trying to make, you know, rum the old way, like Ford's Foursquare and Appleton and, um, you know they're being, um, they're being, you know, kind of fronted in the marketplace with people who want, you know, stuff that isn't like theirs. And so, you rum is, rum's got some camaraderie to it, but it's usually about it's usually uh, a camaraderie from people who are of like rums. So the groups, the groups that are not adding anything, they get along really well, and they all kind of speak the same language um so from that from that world um four squares richard seal is quickly becoming iconic as well as um 
you know, somewhat infamous because he will absolutely, you know, take a stand and, and call someone out. Uh, I also believe that she's now retired, but Appleton Estates, uh, Joyce Spence, who's uh, a brilliant blender, is kind of is pretty much as big of a rock star as you can get in rum. And uh, she's beloved. But, um, you know, on the, on the larger scale side, you know, they, they tend to stay very much in their corporate interest. Um, but you do, you do see some camaraderie and some support uh, in the ranks that's usually in their same styles. Good deal. How's the Pernod Ricard, I guess, of Havana been recepted by the, the rum industry? Uh, I think that's an is-what-it-is kind of deal. Uh, we're all just trying to wait for Cuba uh, to get here, and there's a lot of people who believe that it's not going to happen. You know, it's you're never actually going to see a bunch of Cuban rum on the shelves. Is it arguably better? I mean, man, I've tasted. Yeah, I've tasted Cuban rum, um, and it's incredible. It's 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 its own style. It's a it's a light style but heavy at the same time, and um, it's phenomenal. It's not just because we can't get it. You know, yeah, no, like it's, it, it's actually... So everybody loves Blanton straight from the barrel, right? Like, right. they can't get it, right? It's actually really amazing. It The, the Cuban rum hype is real. And, uh, you know, people ask me all the time about, Pappy, is it really that good? How to get that hype? I was like, well, you know, it's really good. I mean, it's better than... It's better... Uh, it was better, you know, pre-2012, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But even today, it's still it's still really good. It's still one of easily one of the ten best bourbons on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the fifteen year old expression is for me. So I got a selfish question here. I'm going to Aruba in in a little bit. What are some rums that I'll be able to find there? You think? Uh, you're probably going to get a lot of a large concentration. Can I get a Vanderbilt Club there? Yeah, you'll probably be able to get that there. Awesome, like the real stuff. You'll, you'll probably also. Um, See some real cool independent independent bottled stuff. Um, so I'd keep your out on your eyes out on things from like Duncan Taylor. Um, is that what we're drinking now, Duncan? Taylor? Yeah, this is one. I was actually pretty shocked to see this here because they. Um, it's fantastic. Wow. It's I delicious. Not, I did not know they were in Kentucky. So I, I got another question for you. So as a as a bourbon and a whiskey drinker, we're able to walk into a, a store and we can look at labels and we can read labels and we know exactly what they mean. Uh, Bernie Lovers talked about all the time. He's saying that something, if it says straight badge whiskey, that's a badge of honor, right? So when it comes in regards of rum, like what's something that a, a, a just a typical consumer should be looking at a label to understand – um, a are they is an additive in there? And one thing I've learned today is that maybe it's okay that there's additives in some of these, as you were saying. In Argentina, they have honey, right? And maybe that's an okay thing. But uh, Venezuela, that same yeah. thing, close enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my Venezuelan or listeners aren't going to appreciate that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, actually, their government probably doesn't let them download podcasts. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess what 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 should you be looking for on a label um, as a as an everyday consumer? Unfortunately, this is a hard one for me <laughs> because they're not bound by anything to disclose stuff. You know, there's not a um, – Or what it, should you take at face value, right? Because sometimes you'll see a big 23 slapped on the front of it and you think to yourself, oh, okay. it's if, I, if I'm if i a whiskey or a bourbon drinker, I know – Or you see XO or something like that. You, you, know. you know that that has to be at least 23-year-old bourbon and nothing below it, right? That's That's a bourbon law. However, right, here's, in the rum, it's a little bit different. 
Here's one. Um, here, here are two things, and this is actually it, it's kind of weak in the in that y- you don't you won't have that same kind of strength as you would with um, with straight or bottled and bond, which rum can be bottled and bond by the way if it's made in the states. Um, and that is if it's from uh, Jamaica or Barbados. Those are two countries that do not allow anything added, and that's in their laws. But you have to look to see if it's bottled there because someone can buy their juice and bring it over here and um, add something to it and still call it from Jamaica or Barbados. So um, that's two That's two things that you can look for. And, and those are two countries I trust a lot. Uh, so from Barbados, you know, you have um, – you have Coxspur, you have uh, Foursquare, uh, within Foursquare's brands, you can find Dorley's and, and Total Wine, uh, The Real McCoy, uh, which is a brand um, that's independently bottled. You have the uh, the Seal brand, which has a, looks like a seal on it. Um, and then you have the ones that are labeled uh, Foursquare with the, with the underlying Foursquare. So, you know, that's, that's a good one. Uh, Mount Gay. You, know, you can trust Mount Gay because they don't they don't add anything. But again, you know, taste them. And this is a, there's a there's a bit of a sugar war that's going on in rum. Um, and while you can probably tell where I skew, I've tried to be as objective as I possibly can because they're in Venezuela. It is it. They say it's their heritage, and they it's in their law that they can do it, and they can label it rum. So. Why shouldn't Diplomatico be allowed to do that? And I and I and I think I think what it comes down to is that all anybody really really wants is transparency on the label. And I've had I've had countless people tell me it's like, oh, we don't mind telling you we have sugar. I'm like, great, put it on the label, you know, you know. And, and there's um, you know, Appleton's Joyce Spence. She's like, you know, call it a liqueur. You know, yeah, so they, they take it one step further. It's like, oh, you're adding something. Well, that's a liqueur. Don't call it rum. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to bring attention to it. Um, and there are times that it's, uh, sweet is good. You know, as long as it doesn't taste like it's chemical or, you know, whatever you're, you're looking for. You're looking for flavor. You're looking for um, flavor that's good. Good deal. And, uh, yeah. So I think, uh, so anybody that, you know, why we had this podcast, of course, Fred came out with this book, Rum Curious. You can get it today, local local uh, bookstores. Uh, but I think there's there's one thing, you know, in, in addition of buying the book, for anybody that is, is actually listening to this, you know, I myself am intrigued, like, where are other sources of information to learn about rum, uh, boards or anything like that? Yeah, uh, we actually, there's quite a few. Um, one of my favorite uh bloggers is uh, the cocktail wonk he reminds me a lot of myself and uh with his writing in the rum space so very similar to what i tried to do in bourbon about eight ten years ago and uh, he's very very technical very detailed very very much calling out marketing bullshit um so that's matthew petrick he's very very talented um the ministry of rum is ran by a former writer who is now an importer at Hamilton. It has a lot of great information out there. Uh, there's kind of like an obscure, um, uh, there's a, it, it's an obscure like forum called Jimbo's Rum Project. 
Um, there's a lot of Facebook forums. It's got a good period of yeah. <laughs> Kentucky twang right there. You, you, yeah. you, you get you get on there, and the guys like uh, yeah, they're fun to read. They're fun to read, but you also feel like you you might be getting hacked while they're on their website. It's too much advertising. Yeah. It's a, it's one of those old. You know, GeoCities, yeah, it, Angel Fire. It actually it reminds me of one of those. Kenny yeah. Space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, but so that, that's a good place. Uh, Facebook has some real nice groups. Uh, the Ministry of Rum is is where you will. Uh, that Facebook group is where you'll find uh, uh, a lot of the rum drama playing out. Right. So awesome. Well, Fred, I want to say thank you again for coming on yeah, the show today. Pleasure. Yeah. Teaching Ain't all the rum. Our, yeah. Teaching all our listeners all about rum because I think it's a. Uh, you know, I think you said it best in your article is that uh, you need some bunker buddies, right? You said <laughs> yeah. that in your February article. And I think, uh, you know, I've already got one bottle. I'm probably going to buy another one or two, right? I'm not going to go crazy because shelf space is limited now. But yeah. however, I think there are some times that you kind of want to change it up, right? Yeah. Like, it's definitely a nice change of pace after you introduced us last time. I kind of went into it pretty hardcore for a few months. I was like, Screw this bourbon game. It's getting tired of this. We're not camping you. out. I'm not you. trying to get anyone to leave bourbon for sure. Yeah. But, but you know, I think it's like. Um, but it, it wasn't you trying to get me to leave. Yeah. It was just, you know, the bur- being a bourbon consumer is tough these days. So it, it, it is. It is very tough. And, but also, you know, you got you to gotta look at the graduations from the flavor profiles. I think they're very similar. There, there's a lot of similarities. A lot of it's, it's the, it's the used barrel. Uh, use bourbon barrel. A lot of it's just like natural sweetness characteristic that's in Rome. But another thing is too is a price point. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find most of the rums under ninety dollars, or you know, the and most of the good rums between like twenty and forty. You just got to find the right store that will carry them. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's the problem with rum is that they um, they probably never sell it. Well, so, as yeah. I say, there's some states that are better than others when it comes to rum purchasing, at least here in the Florida. Americas. Yeah, yeah Washington. Uh, Washington's an amazing state for buying rum. Look for where the rum bars are. You know, so Washington, New York, Florida, California, uh, Vegas, oddly. Uh, which Vegas, you know, it's a, you know, they have everything. You just drink all the time there, you know. But uh, at Kentucky, uh, we're, we're getting a little better. Um, I've been on them for like four years to start carrying shit, so it's finally paying off. <laughs> yeah, you told me one bottle, Ron Contarvio XO. Mm-hmm. I, I got one, and then I ran out, and I went to go back, and it was $10 higher, and I'm like, damn it, Fred. <laughs> He's freaking <laughs> telling everybody. <laughs> Love yeah. it. It's like oh. the Oprah. Yeah, he's got his effect. So I wish I had Oprah's buck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't be talking to us. Yeah. Well, that's what you got video now, right? So we'll we'll be able to have that. We'll, we'll put some nice graphics in it. And <laughs> exactly. Everybody gets one, right? <laughs> exactly. So, Fred, again, thank you for coming on the show today. First episode of Rum Pursuit. Yep, I don't know first if there'll one. be. I don't know if there'll be a second one, but who knows? Uh, probably. Why not? <laughs> you know, it's fun. Yeah. If you have another one, happy to join you again. Well, fantastic. So, uh, if you like what you hear, make sure you uh, write some some good reviews. We can always use do, uh, good reviews on iTunes. It's uh, goes a long way. So also, if you like the show, make sure you tell a friend. Uh, you know, helping get spread this through word of mouth is the best way to uh, get people in front of it, get the education spread. So if you got some other friends that are coming over for a whiskey tasting, say you got to listen to this podcast. Yeah, and let us know what you want to hear also on, on the reviews or on our Facebook page. Uh, 
we want to keep this thing going, but we want to make sure y'all are still engaged. So just tell us what you want to hear and we'll bring that to you. Absolutely. Make sure you also check the Facebook page because that's where all the videos are going to be posted. So you want to watch the, the, the video version of the podcast, make sure you go there and you can see us talking uh, here in yeah. person. Got to figure out how to keep this GoPro from shutting off. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it. We'll figure it out at some point. But uh, with that, we will uh, we'll see you all next week. 